This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Oh my God, H. Allen. Shut up, oh Carrie Gordy. What are you doing on this random street corner? What are you doing on this random street corner? I can't believe I did not expect to bump into you on this street corner. Why didn't you text me? Oh my goodness. I've just been so busy, right? I don't know if you've been to outonthelanai.com. I have. I created it. Oh, so then you've been there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they have the best tapas there. Anyway... If you've been to outamalanai.com, you've noticed how sleek and beautiful the site is. It's like this street corner. It's like the street corner in these buildings that we're standing around clearly yeah. outside. Well, guess what? Outamalanai.com was built using Squarespace, which has intuitive and easy-to-use tools, says a friend of mine. And, you know, I don't trust her because she was the girl who did that thing that you know that we talked about oh, a while we'll back. Talk about that later. But we'll I don't feel like talking about it, about it in Yeah, public. let's talk about it offline. We're in public right now. Okay, so I learned something about Squarespace. Funny, you should mention that. Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology powering your site and our site (laughs) to ensure security and stability. And it's trusted by millions of people. Like the millions of people walking around us right now outside right of these bustling city streets. We're walking here. <laughs> people are staring. Um, and all it's respected by a bunch of brands as well, which we're surrounded by because of capitalism. It starts at $8 a month. And you get a free ma- domain when you sign up for a year. Did you know that? I didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to hail a taxi here. You, you can look start your... Man. Look at your, Oh, look at that man. Oh my god, oh I thought that was a dog, it was a baby. Uh, did you know that you can start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com? And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, thanks, that's my coffee, make sure to use the offer code Lanai, that's L-A-N-A-I, to get 10% off of your first purchase. Oh my god, this it is so, so great. It was so great running into It was you. great. You know what though? I have to go. Um I, I I can't think of a reason, but I have to go. So okay. I'm see you. Let's get lunch soon, okay? Yeah, but Promise me. Remember always. Build it beautiful. Just like Squarespace. Just like Squarespace. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. So good to see bye. you. Never want to see her. God, I hate that guy. This is a headgum podcast. I have to say what I feel. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. My. Angeles 2016. Welcome to Out on the Lanai. I'm so excited. Uh, this is the only Golden Girls podcast you will ever need to listen to. I am H. Allen Scott. Barely containing his excitement. And you I can't am, either. We're I know. Dying. I know. I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we usually have a friend over to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and talk about it, but 
we have a very, very, very special friend over today. Yes, we we teased uh, this guest on the podcast yeah. not long ago. And, and it's been a lot of back and forth between myself and her over the past... What year? Maybe I guess like a, yeah. yeah, about wow. a year. Wow! Yeah, I so I mean, you guys have been corresponding that oh, long. Oh, we're very close. <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys, she starred as Becky in the episode we did just a couple episodes yeah. ago, Blanche's little girl, where Becky comes back. Uh, well, we'll talk about we'll the storyline. Yeah, but guys, please welcome Sean Sheps. Hi, guys. I'm applauding. I'm applauding for you. Because people are driving in their cars now listening yeah, and applauding. They are the applauding. Cars. They're literally giddy right now. Yeah. 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 We're so glad that you agreed to do the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's kind of nice. The listeners like definitely responded to you being on, and, and pe- your, your episode is so incredibly memorable that like fans of the show immediately go to it. It was on just this morning on Hallmark. Really? <laughs> yeah, and literally I was like, she's getting some residual today. <laughs> like, like $2. Yeah. I've heard there's a bar in Los Angeles somewhere where if you bring them a residual check for under a dollar, they'll give you a free drink. Have you heard Shut about that? No. <laughs> if you have any residual checks are for under a dollar, yeah. I, I think the name of the bar used to be like residuals, but I think they changed it to something that sounds more... Like hipstery. Oh, but I'm sure I have many residual checks under a dollar. Oh, you've yeah. got them saved up <laughs> in my life. Wow, yeah. that's well. It's we're we're so glad you're here. <laughs> to find um, a bar. Yeah, we just need to find a bar now. Just walk out and come back in again. Take <laughs> all my residual checks. And my, I'm, just I'm gonna have seven cocktails. Bar yeah. out. You're just like give me, just give me all the bottles. You have a lifetime of residual checks. You just be. You would be a, like a horrible AA nightmare. I know. <laughs> Thank God I don't drink because yeah. otherwise I'd be in 12 step and I don't want to. Yeah. No, I don't that's drink fair. either. I, that's I, fair. I really don't. Yeah, I don't like drinking. It's... It doesn't, it doesn't, um, it doesn't agree with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't agree, agree with, you with my in stomach. Your stomach. Yeah. And I get yeah. drunk really fast and then I get sober really fast. Oh, really? It's weird. Huh. Oh, yes. interesting. Yeah. Wow. That is interesting. It's like, um, I mean, if I'm shooting like, if I shoot three tequilas, I get drunk really fast. Well, who wouldn't? But then yeah. I sober up like an hour later. And so you shoot three more. No, and then yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't know. I didn't want to do that. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and do you think and it hurts your stomach too? Like it just my stomach kind of, yeah, it just doesn't, yeah. uh, you know, grew up in a Jewish household. Wasn't a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Pot. Yeah. Yep. Plenty weed. <laughs> now, was it an L.A. Jewish household? Yeah. Are you from L.A.? Because you, yeah. you were a child actress before... Yeah. The Golden Girls came about. Yeah, I grew up in LA. Wow. I grew up in Granada Hills. Um, found pot in my dad's bedroom <laughs> closet in a shoebox with my girlfriends when we were in like, oh, uh, I don't know, seventh grade. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you write? In, did you know what to do with it? Like, was it was it we rolled or did you have like a pipe? They were older girls. Yeah. Okay. So that one of them knew. Yeah. But I don't remember getting stoned, because I guess you don't your first time. No, you don't. So I don't yeah. remember. No, I didn't. Yeah. I, I was so scared, and I was like, everybody was watching me. I remember I was standing in a group of kids in my neighborhood, what? and I think I just went, and I immediately blew it out, because I was afraid of what might happen, and I didn't want to be weird around them. I was so. in a hot tub. Whoa. Wait, <laughs> yeah. how old were you? I was in high school, and I was in a hot tub I with friends. I was 12, and I was in a hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I had a very strange childhood. Yeah, no, and I got, I didn't get high, really. Nothing really happened. Yeah. Since then, I have, and it, I, sure. I felt my high. Yeah. But yeah. not then, no. I didn't think it was anything. 
Yeah. I left unimpressed. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a yeah. lot of people probably have that first time experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you don't well, get high for a while, and then you like go, oh, okay. Yeah, you go, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, this all is right. what this is. This okay. is where that paranoia comes from. Just like with like your from. high school boyfriend, good you're like, this. I think we've had sex, but I don't really know. <laughs> then when you finally do, you're like, all right, we definitely did it. This See, time. that's very different for gay people because we clearly know when we've had sex. Like, I think unless you're like a blackout drunk kid or you slip something, you pretty much know when you first touch that. Yeah. I remember looking at myself in the mirror, my face in the mirror at my boyfriend's house thinking, I'm going to look different after this. Oh. <laughs> and I didn't. That's such like a Molly Ringwald in an <laughs> That is such movie. a beautiful like, moment, mirror, though. Like, I love that. Wow. I'm going to look different. Oh. But then he became, he was ultimately, he was gay. Yeah. We found many years, a couple, well, we were 16, so. Three years later, he came out. Mm-hmm. Wow. But are we you still guys, friends? I was going to say, yeah. are you still friends? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's sweet. Yeah. Have you dated any gay guys? Not that I, I know of. Uh, <laughs> not that I know of. Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, there must uh, that definitely also too. I feel like is something that doesn't happen as much anymore as more people can come out of the closet. Sure, and be absolutely. Out, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I've dated my my share of gay men. Um, I think we should just spend this whole hour just talking about our first let's just talk. Yeah. Of let's just talk. No, let's talk about the Golden Girls. We'll start with the Golden Girls, and then we'll get to the rest of your career because it's a very, very impressive career. Um, so you. you you were a child actress, and you were working pretty heavily in Hollywood before you got the Golden Girls. Well, kinda. Yeah. I'd always say supporting roles. Mm-hmm. Really, the friend. Yeah. Or whatever. I wouldn't say it wasn't like Jodie Foster heavy or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was just, uh, I booked a gig when I booked a gig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then what was it like when you booked this episode of The Golden Girls and this episode revolves around you? Um, it was great. I mean, again, you sort of like an actor and... It's a show that's on the air, mm-hmm. and you don't know it's going to become anything iconic. Yeah. You know, so, or like The Terminator. Like, The Terminator was a low-budget movie. No one thought it was going to be anything iconic or anything yeah. at all. So, to me, it was like... We should say that you played Nancy. You played Sarah Connor's co-worker. Yeah. And, yeah, people... I mean, my boyfriend, he was already... He was losing his mind this morning. <laughs> we were talking about it, but... Um, but, yes. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, you're, so, you're right. Nobody you know, ever knows. But you don't know these things, so you just go to... Basically, you're going to work. Yeah. And I had no... I knew Estelle Getty because she was with my managers. Oh, okay. So, I'd met her a couple of times, and she was, you know, really nice, but I went in and I auditioned, and then I called me back, and I went over the callback... And then I got the job. And who did you audition for? Uh, the producers. Okay. But I can't remember their yeah. names. Yeah. Because I'm as old as dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Um, were you a, like, I mean, by this time the show is in its third season. It was already, it was a very popular show. Were yeah. you aware, like, what was your sort of awareness of the show or were you a fan of it at all? I had an awareness of the show. I can't remember if I watched the show or not. Um, I think around this time I was working nights at the comedy store in the ticket booth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that explains. Yeah. And listening to Sam Kinison 
screaming at 1.30 in the morning while I was trying to close out you know, uh, my ticket tray. Now I have so many wow. questions I just want to ask you I about the comedy know. store. Well, I have one I question. Know about, I don't or I, anything like that. Mm-hmm. I perform at the comedy store, at least I have in the past, and I don't as much anymore because now everything's in the alt scene. But the there's this mirrored coffee table, not coffee table, but like, you know, table in the back comic area that there's all these lines on. And like literally every time I've ever been in the comedy store, someone who works there tells me that that's where Sam did coke or that's where, oh, that's where Richard Pryor did, did coke, coke or, yeah. I just, I just, uh, Robin Williams did coke. I just signed yeah. with a new manager who was telling me, I told him, you know, I used to work there at nights and he was telling me how the old days in the comedy store and being with Robin Williams and yeah. whoever doing coke backstage. So, yeah, yeah they were doing it yeah. back there. Yeah. Wow. Did you, um, did you used to perform comedy at all or was that just kind of a job that you because it was a I, job or myself and a friend tried it like when I was 19 we, I wasn't very we weren't very good at it <laughs> but it you like sort of and also the lifestyle is just awful yeah, and, yeah. um uh no wasn't really wasn't yeah we weren't good but, did, but you enjoy <laughs> did you enjoy watching stand-ups and sort of then I did mm-hmm. then yeah. I did yeah yeah who was um, the, your favorite person that you ever saw perform at the comedy store? Well, um, you know, I was beh- in, behind these black curtains, taking tickets all night yeah. and doing coke. <laughs> yeah. And that's not like a bad job. <laughs> counting money. Yeah. So it wasn't really like there were a lot of people, but Charles Fleischer. Oh. This is a really long time ago. Yeah. Did this bit that was so fucking brilliant that I had to like peek out for it. Wow. And um, Paul Provenza was around then. Rick Overton was around then. Um, I didn't know Charles Fleischer. I think I'm saying his last name correctly. Yeah. Do you remember what the bit was? He was out of his. He was insane. Yeah. Like more insane than Sam Kinison insane. Sam Kinison was like strategically insane. He was evil. <laughs> yeah. He was evil. He was not like he was not a good guy. Yeah. Um, I hate to say that on a podcast, but Well, I think it's that's been he said. He was mean to me. Yeah. Um so I could say Well, it. so then you can yeah, yeah you had yeah. a bad experience with yeah, him. He yeah, really, he's really threatened to get me fired if I didn't let his friends in for free. So Oh wow. Um, that's crappy. That's crappy for him to put you in that situation. Yeah. Um, especially since I had to listen screaming at one thirty in the morning on stage. Yeah. 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 Um he he! Uh, it was sort of like about atoms and and cells, and it was just this really high, haughty intellectual mm-hmm. bit the Fleshman did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you had to wrap your head around, and it, that was I don't remember it because it was too brilliant. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that bit it was good. Amazing, it's an amazing so, thing. And how old were you when you were working there? It's my twenties. Yeah. yeah. So around the time you got the Golden Girls yeah, part. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And and so once you got the part on the Golden Girls and it was secured and everything, you had emailed me in our exchanges that you had food poisoning. I did. I had Chinese food the night before. Uh, my boyfriend, we lived together in this little place, and I got sick, like vomiting, vomiting. Was this before vomiting. the table read or before the shooting? Before the table read. Oh, wow. And I called my manager, and she freaked out, of course, because I... I yeah. figured I was going to get fired. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And she, I don't know what kind of magic they sort of, my agents and them, I don't know what they did with like voodoo they did, but <laughs> I, she came over and gave me sour 
plums to eat and well, the next day I went to work and I was wow. still hired. I'd missed the wow. tambourine, but I was still hired. So did you... Maybe they thought it was more of a pain in the ass to go find another actress than to just, like, have an actress be sick and come back. Yeah, especially day. with that yeah. process. Was Do you remember if the table read was, like, on a Friday or a Monday? It's a Monday. So, yeah, if it's a Monday, I mean, they go immediately into rehearsals yeah. and they start yeah. blocking and shooting. Exactly. So, yeah, they it may have been harder for them to find someone. And if you were solid at the audition, then, you know, they're probably yeah. just, like, tell the network people, like, she's going to be great. Yeah. Maybe, you know. She's puking her guts out. She'll be in tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. She'll look great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, since you missed the table read and you went in to start rehearsing the next day, mm-hmm. what did you feel a disadvantage? I mean, were you overwhelmed at sort of being around people like B. Arthur and Rue McClanahan playing your mother? And well, yeah, you know, I mean, you have this sort of feeling of you know, you're star, you're starstruck mm-hmm. because you grew up watching these people. Yeah, you know, and also James Burroughs, who I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had to meet sort of everybody the day I shut up. He was the director. Yeah. Iconic director. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they listened to him. Mm-hmm. They were very um, respectful of him. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it was a very pleasant set. Yeah. And so I met everybody and just, you know, dove in. Yeah. Did, um, did, because you were playing, you know, Blanche's daughter, you were playing Rue's daughter, did you and her have any sort of one-on-one time before you started well, we shooting, or? We definitely got, I mean, you know, we were, we were rehearsing, and of course the writers are, like, rewriting in the writer's room, mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, but she actually got, like, close, and kind of hung out together, and afterwards she had me over to her house because she wanted to talk about a project that she wanted to do oh to have me write and I wasn't writing yet interesting so it was interesting that she even picked up on that yeah she was lovely yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. lovely person that's what everybody I mean I I had the privilege of meeting her once and twice and she I mean I we didn't have a communication like you guys did of course but like we definitely everyone has always said that she's just so giving and honest and free and very sort of like zen in a way you know what I mean she's this warm grounded person yeah which is weird because this piece she wanted me to do had to do with like witchcraft and sort of these symbols and satanic symbols and that was I guess you know did anything ever come of that yeah of course it was the craft (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't write it no I don't know I think it kind of faded away but Mm -hmm. um yeah, but no, she was um, she was lovely. Wow. And as far as the accent goes, because obviously Blanche's accent was like such a huge part of her character in the show. Yeah. And not a traditional Southern accent. It was a mix between Mae West and some Southern thing that she created. She, yeah. She talked was, about that in interviews. It's yeah. How um, did you have like a dialect coach or like how did no, you? No, I just of... went into the audition and I did a Southern accent. I don't remember now. Uh, like <laughs> that's it though. That's so totally it. Kind of like the best I could do. So this is just what I did because it was the best I could do. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's great. It was it's so, so good. It's like can't believe yeah. I can still. It's do so it. sweet too. Like that was yeah. the thing about Becky is that she just came in and I was like, oh, she's so sweet. Well, like, let's I talk just... about Becky. So, 
the, you're rehearsing the part, and it comes time to shooting. And one of the things that we noticed when we were watching the episode, and this is, was the big argument that we had. So yeah. maybe we'll see who if you if you pick a side, which no pressure. Before you <laughs> now, of course, like in my argument in it was that so we had talked about how the girls before you arrived were saying, and once you got there, were saying very mean jokes about you. I mean, like about the character Becky and about. Sort of, you know, they they had acknowledged that there was a difference between, you know, the girl that had that Blanche had set up for them, and then the girl that showed up at the house because of the whole episodes about the weight gain, and they just were, except for Dorothy, they were just ruthless. The girls were all saying mean things about Very Becky, mean. and then as soon as Becky's boyfriend shows up and yeah. starts being mean to her, they all jump on him and attack him. Yeah. And I was like, but wait, they were doing the same exact thing when she arrived. Yeah. And so that was my argument, was and that it was... My thing is I, that, like, they set it up because literally, like, that's where the jokes were. They were trying to get the jokes. They are trying to, like, keep this storyline going of... It's called a runner. Yeah. Just to just to have it go throughout, and yeah. even even if it didn't fit with what they had done later on, it still fit with the story. Yeah, and I guess you had reminded me because like your character Becky at one point says that she like has a sense of humor about everything, yeah. but I did, I was just I was very thrown off by that. Like when you first show up, everybody's like they're just like just throwing out all these like mean yeah. jabs, and then as soon as the boyfriend comes, and, and what he was, starts as an actress, what was it like to? I mean, because any actor, and I, I, you know, I, I have this too, where I was just talking about a meeting I had about a web series I'm wanting to do, and they, they had said something about, basically they had referred, inferred that there was like, we already have enough gay content. So like when you're made to be an object, sort mm-hmm. of, you're not a human, you, you now become this contextual thing to them that is outside of yourself. And so like for me, it's gay, but in that situation, it was your weight. Mm-hmm. Like, what is it like to be an actor in a situation like that and still sort of perform, but also be like, this is about something that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's to, I, I could see that being a conflict. Well, I think the first thing is that they um, patted me. Oh, interesting. Which uh, I don't need now, but. <laughs> <laughs> they did pad me a little bit. Yeah. Um, and weight was always an issue because I was a kid actor for so, Mm -hmm. you know. But the thing is, when you get on the set, and, you know, it's just dialogue. Yeah. Like, I think in a way, there were some times when I felt kind of, like, bad, frumpy. But on the other hand, you're just, you're working as an actor, and really, it's just dialogue, and you know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as a writer, I can see how they could, you know, set up that she's fat, set it up as a joke runner, which can run, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they all, always have to ground those episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way they used to ground the episode was to use Joe, who was the guy that played the boyfriend, mm-hmm. who was like, sweetest guy in the world. Yeah. We were going to ask you about him, because really we love Murphy funny, Brown. Really yeah. guy. Anyway, but for him to pick on character of Becky, so that the women could all maternally, yeah. you know... Ground the episode in them caring about Rue's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And ergo caring about the daughter. Yeah. So it's not just one big fat joke. An episode, the whole wow. episode isn't a fat joke. Yeah. Because that's going to make them unlikable. Mm-hmm. You have to ground it in heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's clearly how, I mean, as a writer, I can yeah. look back at it and say, yeah. that's clearly how they grounded it yeah. to give it some heart. So they could let those fat jokes run for the first act. Yeah. And then by sort of middle of the second act, they had to ground it, make these women likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But do you think that 
at that point where they were grounded and sort of in, in acting in a maternal way toward Blanche, toward Becky, but doesn't that almost, like, contradict what they were doing when Becky first showed up? Like... You know what? In a way, it doesn't matter because it's storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what they're doing is they're telling a story of Blanche's being surprised, they're really digging at Blanche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not digging at Becky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like, you're, you know, just the way they all digged at each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this but the was... difference being they never met Becky. At least they had like a rapport with each other where they were like, you dig on me, I dig on you. She literally walks in and the and she's immediately met with like these women who, like while her Sophia mother's in the other room, like, yeah. to me, I was just like, they're terrible. Yeah, like, from, a, yeah. from a modern perspective, watching it in 2016, and considering that, like, the PC culture that we do live in, and as someone who's very sort of like, love everybody, everyone has worth and value and freedom and blah, like, that wouldn't, that would happen, I think, on modern television, but it would happen in a different way. Well, look at the most McCarthy show. Yeah. It's all yeah. fat jokes. Yeah. True, but it's but it's lead two fat leads. Yeah, but still, it's still all fat jokes. You're right. Yeah, and it's it's watching it. I mean, I I, I wasn't appalled because it's it's. I mean, you're amazing on it, and the acting's amazing, and the writing is pretty spot on, and it's and the jokes are strong. Good writer, really good yeah. And but but really also on a, on, a, on a personal level, I'm like. I'm feeling for you as an actor because I'm like I would not want to be standard. I wouldn't want anyone telling fat jokes about me, even as a, in a fake role. Like, oh, that makes me. I, I have trouble with the people making me too gay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, but you see, that was just a, a, a it was just a gig. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was just dialogue that somebody yeah. else wrote that they happened to pick me to play the part for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I it wasn't like it didn't personalize it. And. How did the women react to the material? So here, the the women are having to do these jokes. You know, they're just pros. They're just bam, 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 do yeah. their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there's no questioning. There's no, this isn't politically, you know, this is the script. They get it. Maybe they have a note here or a note there. They just bam. They're yeah. Like one of the most professional sets I've ever been on. What was shooting like? Like, what was, what was that it role was like? It was just smooth. It yeah. It was so smooth. They just, these women knew exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I didn't really sense any tension between them. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, you know, they like probably were so psyched that they were on a hit show at their yeah. age yeah. that they yeah, could have the a, three, a yeah. third or fourth or fifth coming. Yeah. That, you know, and that they were pros. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they were getting respect for it. Yeah, and they weren't divas. Yeah. They did the work. Yeah. So the shooting was really smooth. Did you have any interactions with the other women besides Rue? Well, yeah, because they were around. But, yeah. you know, they're just very polite. They kept to themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly. Um, B. Arthur, very polite, kept to herself. Um, Betty White, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Chatted. I chatted with her a little bit, you know, yeah. during downtime when we weren't in scenes. Yeah. Um, Rue and I hung out, and Estelle I kind of knew. So, mm-hmm. you know, at the beginning yeah. of the week, I kind of stayed kind of close to Estelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hung out with Estelle. Like well, because she's a the little booby. glue she's, to she's, Estelle. She's, yeah. I had met her a few times, yeah. and she knew yeah. me. So, you know, but then as the week went on, I got, you know, talked to Betty a little bit. Yeah. Really got tied with Rue. And, um, I, you know, it's just like when I'm on the other side now and I see the way things go. I see the way shows go. I see the way movies go. I see the way people behave. Yeah. It's appalling 
Yeah. When I think back to that episode and how professional those women were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really, I mean, as a, also a comedy writer, it's like, you, you want that, you dream for that. You dream for that beautiful sort of mixture of talent and, and, and everyone on both sides, acting and writing. And that and, is so hard to get without crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that they didn't have crazy. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's, it's, that's a shot in the dark that that happens. Wow. That's amazing. So what, when the episode came out, what was the, like, did you get good reaction from people? Did you, cause I mean, it was a, it was a top 10 show. So clearly people probably saw and recognized I you. I know. I hate to disappoint you guys, but you know, it was just like being an actor and yeah. trying to pay my rent, like all my other friends and yeah. like, we didn't have screening nights or anything like that, <laughs> you know, or call each other because you know, everybody was booking gigs here and there. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, I'd be watching TV and go, oh, whoa, there's my friend Lily. Yeah. Oh, she didn't tell me she was on this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, we were struggling. That's yeah. kind of how I am. I mean, so Carrie's boyfriend, we call him Stan on the podcast. We never reveal his real name. Um, <laughs> for Literally for no no reason. No it's... reason. It's just a fun ongoing joke. <laughs> Stan uh, is on this Metro PCS commercial that I, I watch Wendy Williams daily. And it airs at least is four she times. Man? She oh, well, she. I mean, is yeah, she a she, man? no, she's not though. She's very much not a man. She's married to some very she has large man. So much pl- well, that doesn't mean anything. She's had a lot yeah. of plastic surgery. So much. She's had a plastic lot. surgery that she looks like a man. Yeah, she, she's always been very manish. She's very tall. She's very large in every way. Like she's, but she's she's very much a woman. She's very skinny and she has mass, just fake massive boobs. Yeah, huge. Yeah, and she talks about them. She talks about how they're fake and how she's gonna keep them in until she's older, and then she'll have them taken out and she'll be an old lady. <laughs> it's it's very Ooh. it's a strange life. Whatever. <laughs> I I am obsessed with her. And I, but on, during the, it met his commercial airs probably four times and every single time I'm like, oh, I'm mad. like, but it's, it's that connection that you have to being in LA and what it's like here, seeing your friends on television or in movies just randomly. Yeah. You know? You're just like, oh, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, mm-hmm. well, he wrote that. Oh, yeah. okay. Unless yeah. someone posts something on Facebook and says, watch my episode yeah. tonight. And now we're talking when you know when I was doing Golden Girls DOS existed okay, there wasn't any Facebook oh no 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 this is yeah <laughs> you, just, so, you just dropped DOS <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you call your parents and told them what night it would be on they call relatives or something but yeah. otherwise you're just you're a struggling actor yeah. did you get paid well for it? I think I got scale okay mm-hmm. yeah So you, I can't remember yeah I think so Whatever yeah. scale is for that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we both have so many questions about your career post-Golden Girls as well, but we want to make sure. Do we have, do you have any other Golden Girls questions? Oh, boy. Do I have any other Golden Girls questions? Because I am completely satisfied He's, and I'm very I write eager everything to talk. down. This is the difference between us. He yeah. just like, no, and I'm, I'm like, no, free. I want to be very organized and write down the categories You can definitely tell that, that I'm ask. a stand-up and that, you know, you're definitely like a writer or performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I got all my questions you got your out. Questions. I asked Good. about the accent. I very specifically wanted to remember to ask about your accent because it was very great. And I was like wondering. I was oh, like, this yeah. is something they... that happens to me when you say, like, do people approach you? Uh-huh. Um, I think I emailed you this. Yeah. I'll be at a, in a restaurant and just talking. And someone from the booth behind me will say, were you in the Golden Girls? <laughs> and I'll turn around and I'll go, Yeah. How, how, did, how, how did you know? And they say, I recognize your voice. Wow. And it's happened so many more times than once. You do have a very recognizable voice. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, and as soon as you started talking Southern, literally, I, there was tingles inside of me. I was just like, oh, God, it's here. Yeah, you do. You, yeah. Have, you have a memorable So memory. that's yeah. in a way how I'm recognized, too, which is very odd, but... I can see that, though. I can see yeah. that. I feel like for a really big Golden Girls fan, that, like, if I heard you talking in a booth, so I many times, yeah. and it is yeah, one of the top golden, episodes. Yeah, this is the people who are big yeah. Golden Girls yeah. Fans. yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, there's a lot of them out there. They're listening. It's true. Yes. That's amazing to just be like, like, somebody sit, they don't even see you, they just no. hear your voice. Weird. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, I love that. So, let's talk a little bit about your childhood career and how that got started. So, like... You were a child at, you did an episode of The Brady Bunch. Yeah. And a uh, ABC or oh, a TV movie of the week that Carrie was very interested in. Oh, the yes. I, it's Have You Ever Been Ashamed of Your Parents? The ABC <laughs> after school special. <laughs> right. Who was in that with me? Do you want to IMDb it? Yeah, you I, have to IMDb so it. So, what was your child? Well, how did childhood acting come about? I like, think I was a very precocious child, and my mother and father at the time asked me if I wanted to take acting lessons. And so they found this school that every Saturday for like eight hours, you learn how to act, how to sing, how to dance, yeah. ballet, tap. Wow. Um, scene Full study. Shebang. Yeah, and so I would go every Saturday, and uh, we would put on these like uh, workshop shows or whatever, and an agent saw me. Mm-hmm. And she went, you know, asked me if I wanted to do TV and talk to my, whichever parent picked me up. And yeah. And that was sort of that. Wow. So what age did you sign with an agent? Like seven. Wow. I'm 33 and I still have <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I found it. Um, yeah. Have you ever been ashamed of your parents? Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh. Yeah, Marion Ross. Okay. Right. Sure. Um, the title just, it made me laugh. Marion Ross. Two teenage girls, one rich and one middle class, become best friends over the summer. I mean, Jennifer was in a... Jennifer did a couple of... Her parents were, I mean, very successful at film and television writers. She and I did like three projects, a play, two plays in that or something, Mm but I totally knew her from being around. Yeah. And I guess if I ran into her, we totally know each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what about the Brady Bunch? How did that come about? I auditioned for it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What was it being like? Was it a weird set? Do you remember anything about... Yes. Yeah. It was really weird. Because it wasn't a house. It was a set. <laughs> I thought I was going to go to a house. It was on a soundstage. Were you a fan was of the show? Was this your first... Yeah. yeah. Was this your first like, te- like sitcom television episode experience? Maybe. I can't remember. All I remember is walking into the soundstage and seeing the living room and it being a set. Is that very, had, did you watch the radio? That freaked me out. Yeah. I can well, see that. Yeah. Yeah. Enough. Everyone did. Uh-huh. To yeah. think it was a house. <laughs> I love that you show up and you're just like, wait, where's the like? Like, why are the rooms? They're all like, they're like, yeah, they're just like, like lined up like a railroad apartment. Yeah, sets. You're like, so we go upstairs to the so bedrooms. The bedrooms aren't upstairs. Well, the hallway, the height, the hallway at his school was a set. We oh, were on wow. the set. That's so. It wasn't funny. a hallway. It wasn't a school. That's trippy. So that was what sort of yeah. I love that that's, like, your memory just, like, showing up and being like, wait a second. Um, I read Maureen McCormick's autobiography, and here's the story. (laughs) I feel like I learned a lot about the Brady Bunch. I think they've all come out with autobiographies. I would have loved to have known you for, like, the two weeks it took you to read Maureen McCormick's. (laughs) Two weeks? No, I read it in, like, three days. I would love to have been Uh, with you. I'm sure you did. It was was great. But, yeah, she talked about... I feel like that about Shirley MacLaine's My Lucky Stars. 
That you, what, you read it in two days or? I did read it in two days and it is a good read. Mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Sean, is there an autobiography that you would like to recommend to the audience? (laughs) Um, The only autobiography I ever read was of Gloria Swanson. Oh. And it was pretty juicy. (laughs) She married Wallace Beery. Yeah. And he just like, can I swear on this? You can't say fuck as much as you want. He just like fucked her the first night. She's a virgin. He just like fucked her and she said she felt like he raped her. Well, yeah, of course she would. So, but it was very juicy. That's the only uh, autobiography I've ever read. Wow, well, that's one to stop I at. I kind of read fiction. <laughs> yeah, that's one to stop at. Um, so before we get on to your post-Golden Girls career, there's one thing that we should talk about before that, and that's the Terminator. So the, I mean, of course, iconic film, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, I James Cameron. I think any woman who, and I don't know, maybe I'm just saying this because I've been rewatching Orange is the New Black, but I feel like any woman, like so many women who go to prison go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make the best of my time there. I'm going to look like Linda Hamilton when I come out. And I feel like that's such a thing. Like, that's what I would do. I don't think I'm going to make the best of my time. I'm going to get jacked and I'm going to look like Linda Hamilton (laughs) when I get out. I think they're probably thinking, oh, God, my children. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, I don't have children right now. So If if you went to prison, would you really be (laughs) thinking? That's what I would be thinking about. You would be so forced into a relationship and yeah. not have enough time to be jacked. Oh, yeah. You're pretty and blonde. Yeah. You'd be in a relationship real quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened to Piper. You Crazy eyes makes her her wife. And some earrings and stuff like that. You, yeah. wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be working out. No, no. <laughs> You'd be working out something else. Things are bursting um, by my prison bubble, guys. Yeah. So what was, what was the Terminator like? That was really a low dose show. Yeah. That was um, Galen Hurd, I think, her first movie. Mm-hmm. It was James Cameron's first movie. They yeah. were in a relationship. He was really nice back then because it was his first movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Not so nice now, apparently. We didn't have any money. You know, um, the restaurant, I remember the. it was really hot that day. I remember we shot in Hollywood. Um, the restaurant was hot. And they turn all the air off, even if there was any air for sound. And I didn't meet Schwarzenegger, but I did talk to the, I'm not going to say which department, um, and they said that he said that he has big body but small balls. (laughs) Oh, his pee-pee's not that big. My pee-pee's not that big. That's what he said to them. I'm and they told me. so curious to know what the context of that conversation <laughs> it was. It was a wardrobe thing. Oh, I want to call this episode my pee not that big. It was a wardrobe. It was a wardrobe one. Well, he had a nude scene in that film. Well, sort That's of. That's what he told the, 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 the wardrobe woman, they told me. Yeah, I mean, because he probably had to wear the cock sock or whatever. Maybe it was for the cock sock for yeah. when he was, yeah. Then he doesn't he need can, a big cock maybe sock. Maybe he was yeah. joking. But well, I just remember them there telling me There is an Annie Leibovitz story. picture. I think it's Annie Leibovitz of him naked, and it's not that big. I also feel like he doesn't... <laughs> I can prove that. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's got such a... He's just, like, very one note in his tone when he speaks. So even if he was being sarcastic, oh. it's like, how would you even yeah. pick that out? It would be, he you know? has a Snapchat channel. I follow him on Snapchat, no. and it is the funniest... Most uh, listeners, I think it's Arnold Schnitzel or something, and it is the weirdest. Because he's literally like, he'd be like, 
I'm at the museum right now. Wait. It's so pretty. Are you sure you're not thinking of like Will Sasso's Vine? Where no. He just does Arnold no. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger Snapchatting. His teenage son must have gotten him set up his with teenage that. Son. I have a problem with people whose parents were Nazis, like, <laughs> or their family were Nazis. Like, I, that is problematic for me. Yeah, I agree. Any, <laughs> any connections to Nazism is a question for me. Yeah. It's where I where draw that parents, line. Parents, where his like, I think his grandfather or someone there was a Nazi. There. Nazi oh, he of course family. is related to some Nazis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Australia, Austria, right? yeah. Austria. Yeah, Nazis. Let's be real. <laughs> Absolutely. Nazis. Yeah. He would walk into this house and see that menorah and be like, "Oh, uh, maybe I should leave." <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the the Austria's board of tourism. And that's, my their, ju- that's their slogan, my Jewy Christmas tree. Austrian Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Your Jew boo Christmas tree. Your blue Jew Christmas tree. Your blue Jew. Um, oh, the term. So yeah, it was very. Um, it was really a low budget movie that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone was prepared for it to hit Up like big. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At all. Because I don't think nobody was, like, no one in that movie was a big star yet, I mean, he had right? done, uh, Schwarzenegger had done a few things. Had he done Hercules at that point? I think maybe. <laughs> He'd done He-Man or something. But he wasn't, I mean, he was he was probably the biggest star in it, maybe. Yeah, he definitely was mm-hmm. the biggest but, star. And he had been a, you know. Yeah, a bodybuilder. But bodybuilder. he wasn't even, like, a big star. It was just. He wasn't a movie movie star. It was star. a low-budget movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, wow. Oh, man. So yeah, then look where we are now with it. Post Golden Girls. You of course you, you continued to act in things and, and, and you also wrote and, and directed some things as well. Like I mean most of acting wise, Weeds, you were in quite a few episodes of, of Weeds. Yeah, but that they forced me. Oh. Were you a writer first? And I then was on staff, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was a writer on the show and yeah. they called up and they the right called my office and they were like do you still have your SAG card? And I was like, yeah. And then all of a sudden I was one of the moms. I had stopped acting by then for many years and didn't want to do it. Yeah. But you can't say no to your boss. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, so I did it. It's also flattering. I was not flattered. I think they just <laughs> didn't want to have the cast. You, they were just like, uh, wait, didn't Sean you say yeah, exactly. you know, that kind yeah. of thing? Exactly. Wow. Well, yeah. that's, a, that's a respectable place to get I in your career. I didn't like it. It wasn't fun. Yeah. And, you the know. acting wasn't. Did you like writing no. on the show? Um, it, it, it was, the first year was great and the second year it became very difficult. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what is it, so what it is it like show. to go from you know, full-time acting to pursuing a... Because you said at the time when you were on Golden Girls, you weren't a writer, but Rue saw something in you. And... Yeah, I'm curious to know what that transition was. What was that transition like when you started writing? You know what? There was... I was cast in this play that was a... This girl from... Who came out... was Detroit, came out to LA. Wrote a rock opera based on the city of Mahogany. And... And I was cast in it, and... We all got really tight, and I thought, you know what? If she can do this, I should try to do this. Yeah. So I wrote a play that was sort of a comedy, sketch comedy musical called The Stephen Weed Show. Okay. And it ended up going to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. Wow. 14 of us went. Wow. And I thought, you know, this writing thing is kind of good. Yeah. And then I wrote another play, and... um, a Disney executive came to see it, and that's how Encino Man happened. Wow. Oh, interesting. And it's just sort of like right place, right time. Sure. And I had started writing because I was sick of acting. There, You had no control yeah. Yeah. as an actor mm-hmm. at all, unless you're a star. Yeah. You're just sitting in your fucking honey wagon waiting. Yeah. That's what Jennifer Jason Lee talked about on NPR the other day, actually. Yeah, it's that exact really thing. boring. Yeah. yeah. And... 
I didn't realize if you wrote for features, you had no control either. Mm -hmm. It was only yeah. in TV, if you create your own show, that you get control. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't matter, you know, whatever. I spent, I learned. I yeah. learned. Yeah. Through the school of Disney. So, so your first sort of <laughs> feature film credit was, at least in terms of as a writer, was Encino Man. Yeah. And, and that's the, a huge hit. Which at the time, again, no one thought anything of. It was yeah. a really low budget. Yeah. Um, oh god, we grew up on that. Yeah. I remember seeing that as a kid and just being like, I don't understand Polly Shore, but I think I like him. I oh I was obsessed with it because I had a huge crush on crush on Sean Addison from Goonies, so like oh. that crush just carried up yeah. through, you know. I had a crush on Brendan Fraser in that film. I just wanted him to be more undressed, more undressed. Well the thing about Brendan was and Polly, like, two things. Polly I'm still friendly with, but the thing about Brendan was that um we're looking, we're looking, we're looking, and it looked like it was going to be Ben Stiller. Oh. And then um, Brent, we saw Brendan on tape, mm -hmm. and it was like, I went, guys, guys, to the producer and director, I'm like, guys, come here. I'm like, this is your guy. And Did he like, have yeah. long hair at the time? Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. they were like, oh my God, this is our guy. Yeah. And wow. he had just done school ties. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. yeah. So oh, my gosh. So coming from school, you wouldn't think if they're like, the school guy from school ties, ties be first. like, no. Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. And he was really sweet. And Paulie was, you know, he's like, was like the pain in the ass brother I never had. And yeah. I had to sit him down and be like, dude, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what is wheezing? I was going to say, was like, he doing the, I like, the weasel thesaurus. stuff? I need mm -hmm. a thesaurus. I need a I didn't make a thesaurus. So a lot and of his stuff. And he said, no, I don't know what it is either. I'll just say it. I was like, fan-fucking-tastic. <laughs> so did you to, like, incorporate this... a lot of that? Yeah. yeah. Like, I have to put this shit in the script. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he's talking about. Wow. Okay, whatever. I'll just put it in. And so amazing. did so when the, the Disney exec, they saw your play, Were they, did they did you pitch them the idea for the film, or were they like, we want to do this thing called Encino Man, and then did they hire you to write it? No. George Saloom, who's the producer, um, was a friend, and... I borrowed a thousand dollars from him to produce my second play, and I said I'll write a script. And he said, "Okay, do you want to write about a pirate radio station, a ghost cop buddy movie, or two kids finding a caveman?" And I was like, "I'll do that one." Mm -hmm. So I was already writing it to pay off my debt to put up my play. <laughs> wow! When the wow. Disney executive saw it, I so want we that just deal. Pitched it and you pitched them. it to them. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. We just bought it. How did you come up? I mean, that's, I mean, that's pretty sort of like open-ended, two kids find a caveman. Like, how did you go from that to Encino Man? Well, George and I sat down and we just started working. You know, once it got bought, yeah, we started working on it seriously. Mm -hmm. What did so, they buy it off of? Like, was a it pitch. a pitch? Wow. Yeah. A written pitch? Or did you guys go in no, the room? No, a verbal pitch. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. It's amazing. So, Yeah. That's great. And then... That's how it happened. So that came out, and then shortly after that, um, yeah. I guess because of the success of that, Son-in-Law was another film that I loved that came with Polly Shore that you wrote as well. Yeah. And how did that come about? Was it from Encino Man? Yeah. Yeah. They just, like, put me on... This, they put me on it. Yeah. They were like, all right, do you want Biodome? Do you want yeah. jury duty? Do you want in the army now? Or yeah, do you want Son-in-Law? They were just like, okay, we're going to do this now with yeah. Polly, and we want you to do it. And, you, you know, you say, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you like working on Son-in-Law? Um, it was hard. Yeah. But it was fine. It was it was work. Yeah. It, had, it started to become writing less romantic to me mm -hmm. and more of actually work 
Did you, like, what's your, I know lots of different writers, it's like, oh, I, I like to work in a coffee shop, I have a specific spot in my apartment, like, when you were writing these films, were there, like, what, what's your kind of, like, environment that you like to be in to be really productive? Well, back then, I mean, for son-in-law, a lot of the time they would lock me in a room. Were you, like, in an office really? in the building with... They would just lock me in an office, they'd be like, lock the door, like, because I had to do so much rewriting, yeah. they'd just lock me in. Oh my um, God. Usually right at home with music playing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Or if I'm working on a show, you write in the writer's yeah. room mm -hmm. and then you write in your office. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, like that. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, I like to listen to alternative. Mm-hmm. Okay. When what I'm of, writing. What kind of alternative music do you like to listen to? I just put alternative on... Like Pandora or something? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to listen to you when I'm writing. We're very much alike, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. No, I do. I like listening I like listening to nineties alternative music. That's I listen like to film scores. That's that's usually I have to listen to something without words because if if I have words it distracts me. You just find you're suddenly writing the lyrics. Yeah, in a way. Like I wish yeah. I was a little bit. Or taller. if I do listen to words, I listen to like show tunes. Like I'll listen to a full show tune show mm -hmm. and that somehow distracts me to keep going <laughs> it's very strange but we all have our own little have processes our thing. i have to say too my so my boyfriend's an actor he was at an audition yesterday in encino and texted me uh i'm in encino for an audition there aren't enough cavemen here or anyone wheezing the juice <laughs> <laughs> which is why this morning when we were talking i was like oh sean wrote encino man and he was like hey just yesterday and he was freaking out he was very excited so so what what was your career like after and like son-in-law like you you of course you know you had two i mean son-in-law did relatively well i think as well yeah. and so you had two <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i mean i don't think it did as well as encino man but it did well i saw it i mean and oh i well. saw every yeah, it every well. movie when i was um, um, so Better. you, I mean, you kind of had a lot of probably freedom to, to go in I lots of directions. pilots, a couple of shows got picked up. Um, I have this, I directed this movie I've been trying to get made for 10 years, my deep, dark, independent indie yeah. film. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> no. And my producer was this chick who, like, her parents gave her $2 million, and she God. was, like, did meth, and she had sores all over her face, Oof. and she she would shut down production, and it was, like... It should have been a documentary it about was her. a nightmare. <laughs> wow. First assistant director fainted at one point. I had to go, oh, couldn't start throwing up. Couldn't stop throwing up. Wow. Because she was... Freaking out for anyway. Oh, no. So the movie wasn't very good. Um, I directed a, a. Did you write this as well? Yeah, movie? it was like my dream project. I went to Sundance to the director's lab with it. You know. Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it just sort of crashed and burned. No. Just, but that. Shit did you want to direct? I mean, was that sort of your natural progression from writing? I kind of did, but features mm. because the thing is, I directed a. Movie of the week for Disney, L.A. Woman. Yeah. Take off on Encino Man. Yeah. Oh the yeah. The thing yeah. is, in TV, when you direct, you're a guest in someone's house. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But when you're directing a feature or you're running your own show and directing your own show, mm -hmm. yeah, it's your show. You're yeah. not a guest in someone's home. Yeah. So TV directing never really appealed to me, and sort of pushing to be a director. I love it. It's really great. Mm -hmm. I'm just not feeling it right now. Yeah. And do you think it comes from, like, as a writer wanting to... Because I think sometimes, I mean, I don't know, maybe, you know, writers work differently or whatever, think differently, but sometimes as a writer, 
like you're already sort of imagining what it's going to look like while you're writing it and then yeah. and may, is that maybe where some of the direct the control kind of comes no, from you I think don't, I don't know cuz you know what I don't think I it's funny I don't imagine it when I'm writing it. Oh see I do like yeah. I guess cast in my mind oh, I don't and do stuff that. and then yeah. I start to think I'm like oh wait if somebody was actually directing this I don't do that would either. I be, would I would I want to be so controlling of it because as I'm writing it I'm almost seeing it in my brain. I only started because whenever I write a pilot or write anything, I, I never. I'm like the same. I don't have. A, I don't have sort of an image in mind of who this person should be. I'm just writing a character, and so I don't have a type. Like I don't have a Joseph Gordon-Levitt like type that I'm writing a character for. But because people have given me notes, being like, you should give them an example of an actor that would play this role, and so I've been putting it in, and it never feels right. I never. Oh, it feels right when I don't, do it. That you should do it, and you shouldn't do it. Yeah. If it feels doesn't feel right, if the character is. Strong is created strongly enough. Yeah. That you know it has a voice. You don't have to say Joseph Gordon-Levitt type. You yeah. Know? But if you feel more comfortable doing that because it clarifies for you in your mind, mm -hmm. you should do that. Yeah. yeah. It's not a right and a wrong. You yeah. Know? That's what's so great about it. You yeah. know, it can be it can be anything. So from that, I really fuck what people say. I mean, I have to say <laughs> fuck what people say. Oh great, because yeah. we were going to ask what your advice would be. To <laughs> yeah. On write and direct. Because I've heard so much. Crab and I teach writing now privately when I have time. I yeah. love teaching. Yeah. So I have all this information in my head that is of no use in the real world. <laughs> so it's really cool to like teach somebody and see them get it. And yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Write their thing and like I love that. That's amazing. What type of uh, writing class do you teach? Is it does is pilots? It pilots. Oh, that's great. Although Can we I've take got it? a guy with a feature. <laughs> I've got a guy who wrote a feature that's really funny and I pitched it to my new manager mm -hmm. yeah. and I'm like I want to take this out as a producer and he was like laughing and he's like yeah and I'm wow like, you know so sometimes if I see a project and it looks like it could become a thing mm -hmm. yeah. and I want to attach then I attach myself yeah, yeah. and a yeah. bit of yeah and they're cool with it because we've been working together for so long they trust me not to yeah you know fuck them over or anything yeah yeah, yeah. exactly Which yeah I wouldn't do because I know how that feels and yeah. it feels bad yeah well, I'm sure too like the people who you're you know teaching for like that you know, you have this real world experience and your experiences over the years, you can say like, hey, like I'm going to prepare you for the real world. Like here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. And yeah, you know, or like here's, here's how it works. Here's what things are really going to be like. Like if you sell your pilot. You right. Know, yeah. That's the you thing. Know. If I attach myself to someone because I like their project and I think it might sell. Mm -hmm. And I know that if it does sell and they end up in a room with executives. Yeah. Doing studio speak. They're not gonna know the fuck they're saying, yeah. yeah. Unless it's a good executive, which you know that happens, but you know, but rarely the other happens too. So you yeah. can like say, okay, this is what they mean, yeah. And don't do this note because it's just like a thread that's gonna pull the whole thing apart, mm -hmm. yeah. But we'll appease them with this note, or you know, they gave us a good note here. Let's do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I can do that with somebody who's uh, what they call baby writers, someone mm -hmm. who's just yeah. starting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Have they have they been like, will you be my manager? Has anybody ever asked you that no. when you started? <laughs> no. no, because I have to say I don't have you know really good advice about how to get started as a writer because it I lucked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it depends it's on what kind of writing you want to do. I mean, situation. I think yeah. the. I think creating your own stuff, I think, is probably, like, across any platform is, you know, in terms of, like, if you want to be a playwright, if you want to be a TV writer, if you want to be, you know, if you want to write features, like, yeah. just to, like, 
pair up with like-minded people and and write something and and make it and then like have that yeah. as an example like instead of you know just try like just like waiting around for something for somebody to come knocking on your door yeah. well now you you've know? got the internet so mm-hmm. you yeah. know and you can you can if you have a pilot you can like shoot two shoot minutes of it yeah. exactly yeah and you know you have an example and some and someone can just hit a button and go to that link yeah mm-hmm. and then ask is, for more i mean that's what's so like with like when i was talking about the web series earlier like you know just shooting an episode or two short episodes and having people be able to see your work in a in a in a way that they normally wouldn't in that pitch meeting when you exactly. so lucked out with Encino Man. Yeah. I mean, nowadays they would probably tell you to film something and somebody go fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, just it's a different thing, but the fact that you have experienced all of this and and are have such a wealth of knowledge in terms of how this has changed over the years but also how this works is a mm-hmm. uh, probably valuable yeah, experience that these valuable. students need. And there's yeah. so much alternative programming, which yeah. is really yeah. like, like things have opened up for TV writers. Yeah. People who want to write for TV. People who want to write content that will be seen. Yeah. In Amazon and Hulu mm-hmm. and Netflix on yeah. the web. I mean, something on the web can end up on, you know, on a network. Yeah. And I mean an alternative network or Showtime, or HBO, like, yeah. that stuff, like, The Walking Dead yeah. was a web series. Yeah. So, and Gail Ann Hurd picked it up, you know, yeah. that shit happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you're really right when you say, you know, just make write it. your just, own stuff. Yeah. Keep mm-hmm. writing. It. But yeah. here's the thing, if you're gonna do it, just because you want people to know that you're cool, Yeah. if you want people to know that you're something, something, Yeah. And you're not reasons. doing it because you love the work. Yeah. Then you're an asshole. Yeah. Then you're never gonna feel satisfied. Yes, that's exa- you're never gonna feel satisfied. Literally, if you're, you're gonna said, be a sociopath. What you just said <laughs> is exactly what I was thinking. I won't say who it was, but I was with a comedian, if you want to call her that, uh, the other day, <laughs> yeah. and she, there was a comment that they just want to be famous, just just be famous, so that they can get to work and start working, and it's like, and for me. Maybe as a child that was a thing, but now having worked in the industry, having performed for years, knowing people in the industry, it's like you recognize that that's not the end of it. The work is what is every that that's what excites me the is the is- creating and the working and the showing someone a different perspective that you don't think other people have seen, and that's that's what is so exciting. Mm-hmm. So the fame game, you're right, you're an asshole if you say that. Well, you're not. <laughs> And you're, you're just never going to be you happy. You have the wrong thing. Like, and then yeah. the thing is yeah. you make other people unhappy. I will say to people who have want to start writing or want to start directing or want to start whatever, if some person comes around and tells you that they're a manager and asks you to give them money, oh, yeah. don't. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you write, register at the WGA. WGA.org. Org. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good piece Bottom of advice. Bottom right hand yeah. of mm-hmm. the homepage. Register. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's Register true. Your work Don't the talk guys. about what you're writing until you finished your outline. Yeah. Because when you talk about it, all that energy goes out into the world uh-huh. and it's not as intense, it doesn't live as intensely inside you. Yeah. yeah. This is shit I tell my students. Yeah, yeah. no, I it's so true. I think that's really great advice. It's, uh, I feel like... I feel like there's so many things I want to ask you, but we don't want to like we don't we don't have all that time. And I know Carrie wanted to ask you about Drumline, right? Did you like? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote Drumline as well. Yes. Was that another? Was that something that like you had pitched to them? Somebody hired you? No, like, it was, was um, uh, the guy who Dallas Austin. He was a music manager of TLC, and he was on a Drumline. Mm. 
Wait, Dallas? Did he end up? He's married, married to, to, to yeah to yeah. Chi- uh, to um, yeah to Chile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And well, I was just came into a meeting. We mm-hmm. were at Fox Twenty One, and he said that, and I said, okay. Um, what if he was this and this and this and this and pitched them something? And they were like, okay. And then I said, you know, I think I need to go to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to be near a drum line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he did. I went for two weeks and hung, hung around a band. Wow. And took like 200 pictures. And um, that, that, that movie became very contentious in what is called an arbitration, mm-hmm. where there's more than one writer yeah. on mm-hmm. a movie and other writers get involved in... Wow. Um, you have to arbitrate and prove that you've written like 63% of yeah. the movie to get story and screenplay credit. I share screenplay credit with a writer who was very contentious. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That that made me run to TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like ran to TV. Was that yeah. something that the Writers Guild was sort of acting as like a mediator between they always do. all the writers? Yeah. I've, yeah. Been on, yeah. I've been on committees and I've had to arbitrate mm-hmm. for myself. And wow. Yeah. They have rules. Yeah. You've lived it all. You've done it all. I know, honey. You have done it all. Wow. Sean, I... I mean, okay, so at the end of every podcast, typically, we do a golden takeaway. It's because we've watched the episode, so it's sort of an inspiration that we that we ask the listener or the, the guest to, you know, inspiration that you can maybe give to our listeners or to even apply to your life. But since you've done so much for us here, I think if we had to ask you what your golden takeaway from your career would be, a piece of advice that you would give either an artist, an actor, a writer, a potential director, whatever, what would that be? You know what it would be? Um, don't give up. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, I talked to a friend of mine. She's a, in a, she's a groundling. Yeah. And I had an ex-boyfriend, and he wanted to be a writer, and he gave up. Yeah. And she and I were talking, and and we thought, we would never have given up. Like, that would never have occurred to us yeah. to it's give up. It's not an option. Yeah. We just would have struggled like we did and fought through it like we did, and... So if it's really meaningful to you and you're doing it because it's meaningful to you, you'll learn as you go and don't give up. And that applies to not even just artists, to everybody. I mean, that's just sort of whatever. <laughs> really, it does. Like, yeah. whatever, whatever you're doing in your life and you enjoy it and you want to keep doing that, keep doing it. Don't it, settle. It's not an easy thing to do, you know. I, I mean, I just finished a spec pilot. I don't, I don't like writing that much all the time. Yeah. It's really hard. Writing is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know... The th- don't, not, don't give up is hard, too. Yeah. But it's how you can get what you want if you just don't give up. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. Oh, Sean, I, this has been a huge privilege for us. We, you guys we, are so sweet. We really <laughs> thank you for being here. And I have to say, like, just from my own you know, personal feeling, that, like, you have such a light to you. And you have such, like, a advice. And, and, I think he's and, hitting on you. I wish that that's so <laughs> not what's happening. I no, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, that you, like... You, you, you're you so relaxed and honest and open and free, and it's just sort of what I think, and I think I can speak for Carrie here too, what we aspire to be as writers and as working people in this industry and people who are just creating stuff out of love. I mean, we do this podcast out of love for the Golden Girls, and it's not, there's no gain we're getting from it outside of just loving the Golden <laughs> Girls. And so it's... And, and you're a you just beautiful... Gave me the chills. Yeah, <laughs> but you're a beautiful example of that, of doing what you love regardless. So thank you for being on the thank podcast. We really appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. We appreciate it. And is there anything that, that the listeners should check out with you in the future, like a show coming out or a pilot or 
Not yet. Not yet, but it's happening. Yeah, I, you, there was something in your brain that yeah. you can't talk about yet. Yeah, well, we will let us know, and we will definitely tell everybody okay, about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm H. Allen Scott. You can follow me, H. Allen Scott, at everything. And I am CarrieDoherty.com, Squid Eat Squid on Twitter, and Squidzy on Instagram. And go to outonlanai.com for more GG fun and our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash golden girls podcast. Yes. And as always, guys, remember to stay golden. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs> <laughs>